from stories to inspire our work in the philanthropic sector, especially our friends in faith. Hi, this is Bill Stanjakevich. This is the first day from the fundraising school, and I'm joined today by Elizabeth Lynn. Elizabeth currently is project director for the Lake Institute on Faith and Giving at the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy, in which resides the fundraising school. And Elizabeth, thanks so much for being with us on the fundraising school's podcast. It's a delight to join you today, Bill. Thanks for inviting me. Now, you have a wonderful history with the Lake Institute, which spans the Institute does nearly 20 years. Uh, in case uh, some of our audience is not aware of the Lake Institute, can you describe the work of you and your colleagues? Yeah, uh, just very briefly. It's an institute within the Lilly Family School, and it focuses on the dynamic relationship between faith and giving, which is in many ways an underexplored and yet extremely significant dimension of giving in our society. So how do our faith commitments and values inform our giving? How do patterns of giving, habits of giving shape faith communities and uh, action in, in our society? So we do research on that topic. We support other organizations and learn from their research on the topic. And very importantly, uh, like the fundraising school, we do educational programs to help leaders engage their constituents in faithful giving and generosity. When Elizabeth mentions the role of religion and generosity, followers of Giving USA know that of the nine subsectors of the philanthropic sector, religion always leads the way in Giving USA. And the Lake Institute's research has shown that while uh, individuals are responsible each year for 80 to 85 percent of charitable giving, more than half of that has some sort of a religious influence, a religious motivation. And uh, the Lake Institute is diving into that um, on a daily basis with a wide range of research projects in a very ecumenical way, covering so many different religious faiths around the world. And one of the latest projects is Story Shelf. Elizabeth, what is Story Shelf? Story Shelf uh, came out of the project I direct for Lake Institute, which is called Shifting Ground. And the focus of Shifting Ground is on the changes in faith and giving within our society. We recognize that the ways people do faith and the ways they do giving are changing. And many congregations across religious traditions were established on assumptions about how people engage, how they join, become members, pledge, tithe, um, and give to support their, their faith communities. And also assumptions about how giving is going on more generally. So we wanted to create materials that would help religious leaders engage this moment of change. And one of the clear stories for faith communities around giving is that many congregations and other religious institutions are looking at what they have to give, and they're thinking about it in new ways. Uh, as as many folks know, um, congregations are finding themselves often needing to rethink how they use their property, or if they even need their property. There's a there's a pattern of congregational closure in the United States. So for every two congregations that open in one year, uh, as many as three close. So that means that many congregations are looking at their buildings and saying, what should become of these? What should become of the land? And congregations that are thriving often have gifts, funds, endowments that may have been designated for certain purposes 
or used in certain ways. And as the needs of faith communities and the world around them change, religious leaders, both lay leaders and professional, need to be able to think about how can we use these incredibly important resources more generously and more faithfully. So the story shelf was developed just to spark imagination around that. I think often religious leaders can feel somewhat isolated, like, oh, this is happening to us, but we don't know that it's happening with others. And to read stories about like institutions and also different institutions that suddenly see their resources in a new way and, and form new partnerships and find new ways to give faithfully and generously can be very um, inspiring, liberating, and motivating. So these stories are very short, and they can be read on the spot in a church council or a synagogue leadership meeting um, to just spark imagination. We're talking with Elizabeth Lynn about Story Shelf, hosted by the Lake Institute on Faith and Giving at the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy. And, you know, Elizabeth, stories are a part of each of our individual lives. They're part of our secular organizations. And, of course, all faith traditions have their stories in their respective books and, uh, you know, collections that they like to read and be inspired by. And Story Shelf now is a resource for religious congregations to use and to learn from one another. How did you find these stories? I mean, just in the United States alone, there are something like a half a million religious congregations. How did you find these stories for this work? Yeah, we have about 50 stories posted on the story shelf right now, and all downloadable is PDF, so you can just share them, print them, read them on your phone in the middle of the meeting. Um, and in some cases, we we actually engage journalists to go and cover a story that we had heard about that we thought was interesting. In other cases, we, we just found stories that have already been written up. Many local uh, news media um, and also religiously oriented media like Faith and Leadership, which comes out weekly from Duke Divinity School, are telling these stories. But they're kind of dispersed onto the Internet. And, and folks don't have time to search and say, OK, where can I find a story about sharing property? <laughs> where can I find a story about uh, investing for impact, doing microloans with the funds we have? or returning land uh, that we now recognize really we don't have the right to claim as our own. Well, all these stories are now on our story shelf, on our online resource library, and they're searchable by keywords. So a religious leader can go and search by reparations or search by community-based asset building or by legacy um, or by property. There are many ways you can come at these stories, but they're all in one place and available for conversation. And does the gathering of stories continue? I would think yes. there's just so much information that can be gathered. How is this work continuing? Well, it, it's only just begun. I mean, we just launched the story shelf uh, this past year, and I'm hoping by the end of 2024, we'll have 100 stories or more. There are so many remarkably generous and creative acts by religious communities in this country, and we don't hear those stories enough, right? And so to, um, to lift them up and make them available 
it feels like a really important vocation for Lake Institute on faith and giving. Can you give us an example, Elizabeth? I know all 50 stories are wonderful and dynamic. We can learn from each and every one of them. But our audience, which we're going to encourage here in a moment to go to the website to learn more, uh, they're on the edge of their seats. They want to know. Give us an example, (laughs) Elizabeth, of one of the stories that we can learn from on the story shelf from the Lake Institute on Faith and Giving. It's so hard to pick and choose. Um, But fairly recently, we posted a story of a congregation, a Lutheran congregation in Washington, D.C., that found that it's, uh, you know, sanctuary really wasn't serving fully anymore as the congregation changed. And so they partnered with a Jewish congregation to actually share the space. So that's that's a lovely short story of folks within one community and across religious traditions finding way to to share resources and support each other's religious life. There's a story of um, an AME church in Morristown, New Jersey, that during the pandemic recognized that there was tremendous need, there was tremendous food insecurity in the Morristown, New Jersey area, and that it could use its parking lot and its fellowship hall to really provide um, a food a food service. And it brought in funds from community partners and it, it has been feeding thousands of people. And it's been doing it ever since. So that's turning your fellowship hall into a different kind of fellowship and bringing in volunteers from across the community to support that work. So those are two stories. You also mentioned a category on impact investing. And one thing I find interesting about that topic is we think about faith traditions that could be centuries old, millennia old, and yet impact investing is considered kind of leading edge philanthropy and generosity. So uh, do you have an example that comes to mind as a a congregation is involved in impact investing? Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a um, expert on this topic, but I do think if you look into the sort of long history of impact investing, you will often find religious groups and communities having led on that from the beginning, asking, are we using our investments um, in a in a way that's aligned with our values in our society? So I think that there have been many um, traditions of thinking about that that are important, but local congregations can look at their own endowments, for instance, and say, what are we investing in? And are there ways to invest in hope and growth in our own community that we haven't seen? Um, A a great story around that comes from Cincinnati. And I think it's titled, A Church Sees Its Money in a New Way. And an Episcopal church in Cincinnati took a part of its endowment and invested it in an organization that was supporting Black entrepreneurs, social entrepreneurs, who were really uh, doing imaginative and risk-taking things um, in Cincinnati and supported that work rather than just sort of growing the fund continually in the same way. Those are wonderful, inspiring stories, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for sharing that. How would you hope people would use this resource? I hope that um, that if you're part of a congregation or any kind of a um, an organization that has resources, it's really asking 
what should we do with these? You know, they may have developed in a different time for a different purpose, and we need new imagination and ways to think about how we can use those that align with our values. That you would go and search, look at the, we, there are four topical areas, investing for impact, innovative giving, selling or donating property and sharing property. But then also there are keywords you can search, as I mentioned, by all sorts of terms. Pick a few that actually are different from your own context. Like we we don't see these as how-to templates. Like, oh, I want to go and do this. They're very short. You can read them in five or 10 minutes aloud in the meeting. Pick something that's really different from your context. And then just bring it into your uh, congregational leadership team meeting or your building resources meeting or your youth group and ask, who did these people, how did the idea develop? Who did people partner with? Because relationships outside of our own institutions are crucial to new imagination in this time. And then what are the values they're expressing how are those values alike or different from ours? And then what resources are we thinking about? So you're just opening up the conversation. And we have a little discussion guide you can download. It's just a page long to spark that kind of a conversation. Stories can inform, stories can inspire, and stories are gathered on the story shelf, gathered by the Lake Institute on Faith and Giving by Elizabeth Lynn within the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy, which also includes the fundraising school. Now, here's the website, philanthropy.iupui.edu. When you get onto the homepage, you scroll across the bar on top and you'll find institutes. The pull-down menu takes you to the Lake Institute, and that's where you will find the story shelf repository of these stories. And uh, it's just going to continue to grow. And there's an invitation to propose your story as well. And we hope people will take advantage of this and all of the resources from the Lake Institute, including their faith-specific training, which leads to an executive certificate in religious fundraising. We're glad to work alongside the Lake Institute at the Fundraising School, where we have two dozen public courses. We teach in eight U.S. cities online around the world. And these public courses also can be knit together, grafted together, tailored to meet your specific needs through our custom training programs. We have quarterly webinars and these free podcasts. All of our information is gathered in our textbook, including a chapter on religion and generosity in Achieving Excellence in Fundraising, the fifth edition. Again, the website, philanthropy.iupui.edu, and for the Fundraising School, add the forward slash the Fundraising School. So grateful for our guest today, Elizabeth Lynn, doing such important work gathering this information that can inform our work in the philanthropic sector. Our producers today are Mike Anthony and Jennifer Boffman. I'm Bill Stanjakovich, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the Fundraising School. Mm -hmm.